Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Welcome to The Marketer's Journey. I'm Randy, and today's guest is someone who I've been really excited to have on board. Now, Martin Fecko's background is in banking, which for some of you may not sound pretty cool, but the gig he's got as CMO at Tangerine is a company I've got so much respect for. They've managed to take a bank brand and they've managed to make it cool. They've done this by tying it to other brands like the Toronto Raptors up here in Canada where I live, but also just making it a day-to-day brand that a different demographic can align to. And I think it's a really cool job that they do as a brand and Martin's approach, which meshes a combination of brand building, technology, and understanding data is one that's really starting to take this brand to even the next level. So today we're gonna dig into his career. His path is really interesting where it starts in financial services and led him down this path to be CMO. And he talks about uncovering that passion as time goes. In the second half, we talk about the importance of meeting your customers where they expect you to be. Being part of their lifestyle, but also having the features that are going to be important to get them to sign up with you versus your competition. This is going to be a great podcast for any marketer who's trying to figure out that product market fit, I believe, in their business. Without further ado, here's my chat with Martin Fecker. Hey, Martin, thanks so much for finding time. We are in the midst of a playoff hunt in Toronto, and I know Tangerine, where you work, is a big part of that for the Raptors. We've got a global audience, but thanks for finding time amid a crazy postseason run. Tell us a little bit about how you landed in this role. Uh, Absolutely. So first off, Randy, super excited to be here. And yes, the Raptors are in a playoff run yet again, uh, and super jazzed about that, and uh, especially joining Tangerine, uh, it makes the excitement all that uh, higher and we're excited to see sort of where they land. So, I mean, let me let me start at the top, right? Like a lot of folks, I went to university not really knowing what I wanted to do with my life. I, I always had a bit of a keen interest in marketing. I, I did my undergrad at York with an honors in marketing. And at the time, I, I actually had a, a call center job at CIBC. Um, so, you know, just like a lot of students, uh, it was a great role, paid for my undergrad, paid for my books. And I'll, I'll be honest, I had absolutely no intention of staying in the FI space at that point, right? And it's funny how things sort of play out. Got my first marketing analyst job at CIBC in the credit card marketing department. You know, and at that time, it was really just about getting some experience under my belt, right? So I think the first thing is really just, leveraging opportunities as they present themselves, uh, regardless of whether or not you've got a plan or roadmap even earlier on in your career, right? Uh, Tapping into the the opportunities that present themselves um, and figuring out uh, where they're going to take you later. And the the ironic part is that first role I had, uh, when I look back, really cemented a lot of the things that drive me from a marketing perspective and have set me up for success. Uh, That marketing analyst role forced me to, you know, start using raw data, and I'm talking about data like in a text file to start doing post-campaign analysis and uh, P&L health. And you know, this is my first job at a university, and I had absolutely no idea 
how to do any of these things, but it forced me to use Microsoft Access and build queries. And, and it really solidified how I started using data to inform you know, marketing strategy, data back decisioning. And that's something that really, you know, in retrospect, was really the, the, the uh, starting point to everything else that sort of came from, uh, from that point forward. That's interesting. Can I just a quick question on that before you go to the next step? At that point in your career, did you anticipate or were you expected to learn that? Or was that you kind of going rogue within your role? And did that help differentiate you in some sort of way? Because I think back then we associate banking as a, as a safe path. Today, financial services is kind of cool and being reimagined. But back then, that, that feels like a, a little bit of a rogue play. Well, it was, a, it was actually a combination of both. I would say a lot of it was circumstance. And the reason being, um, ironically enough, was I was working on a, a portfolio. It was a new credit card that they had launched, the uh, Amer- CIBC American Express Entourage card. And the only reason why the data didn't exist in the marketing database but in a text file was because the product was launched on a separate operating platform than the rest of the credit card port. So just by fluke, the portfolio I happened to work on was on a different operating platform that had no marketing database. And so I was the the guy that they hired to tell them what was actually going on. <laughs> and and okay. it's ironic, right? But you're, you know, it's your first job. So you don't want to fail and you have no relativity curve to say whether this is the expectation of the role or not. So failure isn't an option. And it's funny what you're able to figure out when you're forced to, especially when you know you don't want to fail in your first role in marketing and starting your career. And so uh, that, that's really uh, you know, what happened there, Randy. Gotcha. So, so you took that. And as you said, you didn't really envision ending up in financial services, but you're now what going on 20 years almost in, in this space? Uh, I am, yeah. At what point did you decide, you know, either at American Express or at Intuit, that this was a space you were passionate about? It it happens over time, right? So I think when you think about the the evolutionary curve to your career, you know, I ended up moving from that analyst role into you know various product management roles at CIBC, and then you know I got recruited into Amex, and I worked on a whole bunch of really cool things, right? I, I worked in new product development, uh, had an opportunity to work you know in different markets. You know, one of the coolest jobs I've ever had to this date has been managing the Centurion card portfolio or the black card, uh, as it's well uh, known on the street. And uh, yeah, it's just right. And it was just it was it was these cool opportunities. Right. But I think it was the latter part of my time at Amex when I was sort of running the customer marketing, uh, customer management and digital experience where. I really started to work on you know, mobile design work, digital capabilities, new e-wallet platforms. And it, I know it, it sort of sounds very cliche, but it, it was the moment where I started saying, you know, the, uh, comparing it to the Wayne Gretzky analogy of moving to where the puck's going to be, right? And it was that, that turning point for me to decide, you know, am I going to stay in banking or am I going to pursue some interest uh, and some, some capacity in the tech space, right? And um, I really did want to understand and experience how a world-class technology organization worked and how they thought, right? So um, that that's really what was the precursor to deciding at that point to go and um, learn something that was untraditional and not really part of my the typical career trajectory once you go into banking. 
So when you, when you talk about going on to the tech side, do you view that as happening inside of Amex or happening inside of Intuit? Is, is Intuit that tech move for you in your career? Yeah, it was. I mean, so I, absolutely. The stuff I was working on uh, at Amex had a digital component to it. But, you know, it goes without saying uh, banks and technology organize, at least uh, most of the technology organizations, there, is, there are definitely some differences between them. And, uh, and so it was really just to get an appreciation of like, what does that world look like and how do they operate and how do they think about solving problems? And, uh, you know, and you can go, go on and on and on. I think the part for me um, that, you know, I really sort of wasn't sure about when making that type of decision to move is, you know, I'm, I'm starting to work in a new industry and a category I know nothing about. And, you know, that can be scary, right? It can be scary for anybody. The, the, again, it, I resort back to my first job as that marketing analyst is like, am I going to fail the first time I try to get into a completely different um, space that I, I am so unfamiliar with? And, you know, the part that gets you over that is knowing that you are really good at, at marketing and can apply that in a different category or industry while you learn how that category or industry works. And that was really sort of the safety net. And, you know, I went on to um, run uh, the operations as country manager there for just under a year. It really uh, helped me in, in, with Intuit in particular, um, have an appreciation for just, you know, the customer centricity and like how to solve customer problems and putting the employee and the customer at the heart of a lot of decisions. And uh, that, that's really what I got out of uh, that experience. So on this tour towards you know the last year, jumping into a massive opportunity as CMO at Tangerine, and for those who are south of the of our border here in Canada, may not know the the Tangerine brand as well. But you know Scotia Bank, this is part of Scotia Bank, and and really a way I I see it as a brand that's connecting with a new demographic and and doing so in really creative ways. Now that I've set that up. What made you and what made the team hiring you feel like you were ready for this opportunity? You know, to jump from country manager inside of a, of a large organization to really running the marketing engine. Yeah. So, you know, maybe I'm giving away the sales pitch on this, right? But I, I think it was really just a, a combination of me positioning myself as bringing banking and technology, which are fundamentally what Tangerine is all about as someone who had expertise and experience in those two dimensions and how to complement each other, right? Um, and that was actually what the appeal of the role was, was taking two worlds that I know well and applying them to a bigger role. And, you know, Tangerine is Canada's uh, largest digital bank. And the added appeal for me was while they're a relatively large organization, it's still small enough to be able to influence across, you know, the various business lines. And in the million dollar question for me in any role that I take is, can I make an impact here, right? And demonstrating even during that interview process uh, that, that I can and here's, here's how, right? And, the, and the, I would just say the last part for me in that decision process is, you know, Tangerine has a lot of the same values that Intuit has, you know, extreme customer centricity, building and designing around customer needs, moving with speed and velocity, and, and constantly innovating. Um, and it was just the right role for me at the right time with the right organization. That's great. And, and maybe tell us a little bit about, you know, what the experience has been like moving into that CMO role. You know, is, is it what you expected? What's maybe the biggest shocker to you to prepare 
the next marketer thinking about making that C-level jump? Yeah, so I think the, the, the thing that uh, you have to remind yourself as the CMO is that you are a representative of the go-to-market strategy, but that does not preclude you from being a leader and influencer on bigger decisions at play, everything from product design to a servicing strategy. When you think about it and break it down into, into pieces, ultimately what you're doing is taking those various components and figuring it out how the brand is represented to depict all of those moving parts. You know, and I don't think we always think about it that way, but that fundamentally is, is what it is, right? Absolutely. Martin, this is great. I, we're going to take a quick break here. We'll come right back. I want to dig a little bit deeper around this idea of customer centricity and thinking about the customer first. Definitely something you're doing at Tangerine. We'll be right back here on The Marketer's Journey. Want to improve the buyer journey for your customers and your prospects? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and 3M are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies, and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences. One of the things Martin just hit on was that decision to make a jump from being in pure banking to technology-backed banking, and that's his jump over to Intuit. Now, I think that's a really smart move, and I can't tell you how often I see a very senior person in their career come to me and say, I want to make that jump over to tech. But the debate is, have you waited too long to do so? Now, I would argue to many of those people, you got to go after your passion, you got to do whatever you got to do to get into the area you're in. Me, myself, I started off in an area that had nothing to do with technology. And in 2010, I was roughly around 30 years old or so, and I made that jump to tech by starting a business. I couldn't find anyone who was willing to take that chance on me. But I think what Martin did was really smart. When you look at his career, he took an industry that he already understood really well. That was the banking industry. He said, I'm going to understand that technology side of it. The great part today when you look at what he's doing at Tangerine is it's really meshing those two sides. He talks about that himself, but when you think about it, I think that's where more and more businesses are going today. The ability to understand the business side and the technology side, because the future for so many businesses is going to be technology first. All right, Martin, we're back here and I want to dig on this idea of meeting the customer needs. And as we talk about that, what Tangerine's whole background has always been in my mind is about being there for customers who don't want to walk into a bank, right? I've got a Tangerine account myself and that was the appeal for me when I first signed up was sometimes I just need access to cash. In the world that we're in, it's almost as though the philosophy that's always been there is now the request of many banks. 
Yeah. So, I mean, so first off, right, Tangerine is Canada's leading digital bank, right? And it's true. We offer clients a banking experience right at their fingertips. Uh, and, and really what we're trying to do is build products and services designed to suit the lifestyle need and help them with their financial goals. And I think that the, the part that's important here is digital is in our DNA, right? Uh, over 22 years ago, we led the way as Canada's first digital bank at the time uh, as ING Direct. Uh, and we continue to be the center of revolutionizing experiences for our clients. Let me let me bring that to life a little bit. So, for example, we just recently launched a digital sign up with selfie ID verification for new clients that sign up. And you can do this exclusively with your smartphone. While it, it may not seem like a, a huge innovation, the, the thing to think about is Anytime you're setting up and creating a bank account, typically in a, in a typical environment, there's uh, sort of a know your customer requirement, right? Where we have to ID and verify that you are who you are. And in many respects, that still requires you to go into a physical location, whether, you know, a bank or, you know, Canada Post or some other means of physically verifying who you are. And you fast forward to sort of what's going on right now, especially with COVID, our ability to make it completely online and the ability to you know, take a picture of your ID with your phone and not require you to go anywhere really is sort of what Tangerine is all about is how do we continue to adapt to the changes uh, and changing needs of the customers that we're hoping to uh, do business with? You know, that's one example. But, you know, when you think about all the other range of digital features and tools that we have, uh, we've got cool things like left to spend, which are just around like money management. But we also have like money rules and that allows us to, you know, let our clients set up custom contributions to savings based on account activities and transactions um, and a whole plethora of, of enablement, um, which is at the core of what Tangerine is all about. Now, when we talk about you know having physical locations versus being a digital only bank, you know it's important that we remind ourselves that physical locations, like a, a typical bricks and mortar branch, still serves the need for a customer that chooses or prefers to be serviced that way, right? Face to face channels allow you to have like another touch point, another conversation with a customer real time to find a solution that they need. But a lot of time, or sorry, at the same time, a lot of customers prefer the convenience of banking uh, exclusively from home. And that's really what Tangerine has typically been about is it's not really about advantages, disadvantages. It's, it's more along the lines of um, what are the channels that you're trying to market through for the customer you're actually trying to do business with? And uh, and that's really what where uh, Tangerine's playing right now. So I, I have a question from more of a higher level branding strategy when you think about approaching that with Tangerine, because as you as you described, ironically, 22 years ago, I signed up for that ING account because I'm like one of the, the original customers probably of Tangerine. I was in university at the time. I remember signing up for it and wanting access to, to money without running home, you know, from being away at university. So I had that need in that moment, and I went searching for something that fit that. When I associate your brand today, though, I don't necessarily, in my mind, first go to the digital mindset. I go to the lifestyle that it's attached to. So how do you decide when you lead as a lifestyle brand in some cases and when you lead very based on function and feature? Yeah, so it's a great question, right? And I think it actually depends on where the customer mindset is at the time, right? And uh, which profile group you're going after. If you think about who we appeal to, we actually appeal to 
a very broad spectrum of customers across multiple demographic points, multiple needs and wants. And so you're right, it is very much lifestyle, but the intrinsic value proposition behind Tangerine has always been a digitally first innovative brand um, that meets the lifestyle needs um, that you're referencing, compounded by you know great rates and no unfair fees, right? So what we're trying to do in that is balance the lifestyle and digital innovativeness that we are all about, but that has to always be somewhat complemented with real tangible value, right? And so what you need to do is balance out how you get those two messages across um, because the audience set may actually value both or value one over the other. And it's just about how do you get that right message to the right customer based on who they are and what need they're, they're looking after. And I'll give you an example. If a customer is looking in no fee banking uh, as a search term, for example, you probably know exactly what they're looking for and how to serve up that message. If you're trying to sort of get into the lifestyle space, think about our uh, Toronto Raptors partnership and how you're trying to tap into a lifestyle component that resonates with that audience. And so that's the, the piece about it. Both are part of your brand. It's really around where you're dialing up, which components of what your brand represents to land and resonate most with, with that consumer mindset at that time. That's it. I, I love the way you put that. I think the, the trickiest part about that, I'm wondering how you've managed to balance this is I think a lot of brands decide to either go lifestyle first or feature function first, and then at some point intertwine the other ones. It sounds like you're, you're suggesting that in, in some cases you may be able to lead with one versus the other. And, and I'm wondering if you're doing that based on partly just the channel in which you meet someone, the location, the, the medium, if you will. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think what you ha actually have to do and, you know, generally as marketers is understand the intent level behind the consumer, right? And this is all about, right, marketing 101. Understand what the customer mindset is, what their intent to buy is, um, and then what considerations are at play, right? Typical marketing 101. Uh, but the reality is, how do you do that into practice? And it really does have to do with understanding where somebody is in that awareness set. Do they even know, are they even looking for a different banking relationship? Yes or no? There are ways to determine that. And if they are, are you on that short list? And if we are, why? And what are the things that that customer is looking for? And then it really comes down to, do we deliver on those things that that customer is looking for or not? Right. And that's the beauty of uh, the consumer is they have choice. And what we're really trying to do is if these are the things that are important to you, this is what Tangerine represents. And that is the perfect relationship is when those needs meet the brand promise that we bring to the table. And that's ultimately what we're trying to do uh, every day. I love that, Martin. Really good way to, to sum it up. And we'll, we'll take a break there. We'll be back. We've unpacked your career journey, your buyer journey that's going through your mind. Let's understand how you take a break in your mind on the personal journey right after this short break. I'm loving this chat with Martin on the debate of do we lead as a lifestyle brand or do we lead with features when we're trying to greet customers for the first time or introduce them to new products. And this is a big debate. In fact, though, when you look at some of the best brands out there, I think it is possible to mesh too. Let's take a brand we all know, we all love, Apple. 
Apple stands for a lot more than the products they are. It's a lifestyle product. It's something that we need to have, we want to have. We're part of a community, if you will, when we have that product. And the way they introduce their products is done in a way that creates so much hype. I think this is the type of company that we need to aim to become. When you look at what Martin's doing and what Tangerine's doing as a whole, they've found a cool niche in attaching to a brand that's so well respected by a country, being the Toronto Raptors, that allows them to elevate their brand alongside of that, but also be known for the functionality that he talks about in this podcast. It's a really interesting challenge. I think a lot of us should look at our brand and say, why do people buy from us? Do they buy because our brand stands for something or do they buy because our product can accomplish certain things for them? If we can achieve both together, we create an even better bond with our customers. Hey, Martin, so we've unpacked various journeys for you from your career to getting to the CMO level, how you're thinking about the buyer and being very customer centric. How do you, be, how do you become you centric? How do you take time for a break from all the busyness going on around? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a question that, uh, you know, I sometimes still struggle with, right? And I think a lot of folks do. But I think what you have to do is just remind yourself that you are never, ever going to get ahead of the work or the business ever. Like there will never be a point in time where there is no work to be uh, that needs to get done. And trying to is ultimately just going to burn you out. Right. So I think what's super important is that you're prioritizing your efforts. Right. I often refer to the sweat equity ratio. You know, how much energy am I putting into something and um, what is it ultimately driving? Um, and so that's just really about where you're allocating and spending your time. And, you know, I'd say the other thing that I do is I set short term milestones, because if you think about everything that you need to do, you know, your, your stress level uh, will be on a different level. Um, so every week I'm like, I'm going to get this big thing done and this big thing done. And then I feel like every week I'm meeting those big accomplishment moments. And then lastly, I just put guardrails around Martin working mode and then Martin personal time mode. And, and as long as you stick to that, give yourself the guardrails, uh, give yourself short-term milestones to pat yourself on the back because you've actually accomplished something in the week and then um, balance uh, where you spend your time. You know, I think that's sort of the way that it's worked out best for me personally. That's some great advice. I, I thought you were just going to tell us that Watching basketball is a combination of work and personal these days, and you, you you find a way to balance just in there. But your answer was even better. Uh, everything you've given us today, Martin, I can't thank you enough. I think everyone tuning in probably learned a lot. And if you've enjoyed listening to Martin and his story, tune in to many of the other guests that we've had on the podcast who share their career journey, their buyer journey that they're they're creating as a path for, for people like you. And you know, there's a lot we can learn from everyone's different approaches. Until next time, big thanks to Martin and go Raptors go. You've been listening to the Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify at uberflip.com slash podcast or anywhere you listen to podcasts. 